And I believe that what we spend our time thinking about, we get in life. And that isn't magic and it's not hooey and it's not disrespectful to God to say that if we think about it, we get it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, it's just, it's just a universal truth. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. And we're live. We're live on Facebook. I'm excited. This is going to be a good episode. I've known Jason Porter for some time now, and I'm, I'm really excited because I think that what we're talking about today in this episode, which is for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, is something that I think a lot of people kind of just miss the point. There's, there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of ways to make money. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that we can do in order to, to you know, buy real estate deals, make money out of the real estate deals. And I think a lot of us do that and we neglect considering, you know, how that affects others. And one thing that Jason Porter has been able to do is for, he's been a prolific real estate investor for a long time. However, over the last five years, his focus has been on how to, how to create exit strategies that allow us to help other people. So we're going to get into his story. We're going to talk a little bit about this mindset of growing ourselves as investors to be able to help others. Um, in the pre-interview, uh, one of the things that Jason said is that it's it's not like a full foolproof like you you just write down some process that that this is what you do it's more of like a mindset that you need to adopt and so he's going to share with us how we adopt that mindset so that we are are able to be more conscious about that so with that said Jason if if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your background and then we'll get into this idea of being the conscious capitalist with real estate. Sure thing. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on this podcast with you. And you're right. I think our initial contacts probably going back five years ago or something like that. It's a while ago. And uh, you came to one of my, one of my classes. Um, I was teaching tax lien and tax deed investing and uh, uh, met you through that. And it was about that time that I met you that Real estate investing, which is, I've been in single family residential investing since 1990. So a long time. I was just newly married and rents, paying rent always bugged me (laughs) because I knew I was making somebody else rich. And if I was to be taking care of my family, and I believe that's my number one calling in life is to take care of my immediate family. Um, and then to help others after I've done that. I, I knew that if, if I had my own home, I'd be better taking care of my family. And I didn't know how to do it. I, I didn't grow up in a family that taught about money or talked about money. Uh, my dad made a lot of money, but he spent it as soon as he got it. In fact, I found out later he spent it before he got it. And uh, we just, I never saw him invest in anything. He had no retirement, no planning, and only had uh, the home that he lived in and a couple of divorces, and he lost those homes too. So it, it was um, not something that I grew up with. But fortunately, um, when my folks split the first time, I was just uh, 12. And my older brother, I've got four older brothers. One of them was a foreman on a framing crew, and um, the other one was a, an architect designer And it was on my oldest brother's house that my second oldest brother was the foreman on the framing crew. 
and uh, and they hired me to to swing a hammer that summer. And so I was just blessed with this ability at 12 to learn how to fix stuff, how to swing hammers and frame and finish carpenter, finish carpentry, eventually cabinets. And so as an early married man, I just, I just hated renting with a passion. And I said, said a little prayer and I'm like, God bless me with an ugly house, please. Let me help me get one so I can take care of my family better. And I knew there was, if there was anything wrong with the house, I could fix it. Right. Well, late at night, a guy named Carlton Sheets came on. That's the first, uh, first, exposure I ever had to real estate investing. Carlton Sheets, no money down course, and I couldn't afford it. I called him up, had three credit cards. We were on WIC back then, Adam. We were, we were broke, man. We had 1983 Geo Prism, two kids and, and, and uh, mother and father-in-law living with us. So that's six people in a car that seats five. Two of them needed to be <laughs> car seats. It, it wasn't working. Financially, it wasn't working. We were in trouble. So I hung up, didn't buy the course, but it was in my heart. And, and one of the things that I've studied, um, you may have heard me talk about um, Jack Canfield, the success principles and chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. I've done some training with Jack and, and I absolutely love the law of attraction. I believe in the law of attraction. And I believe that what we spend our time thinking about, we get in life. And that isn't magic and it's not hooey and it's not disrespectful to God to say that if we think about it, we get it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, it's just it's just a universal truth. You think about food, you get hungry. You think about f- sleep, you get tired. You think about sex, you get horny. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? So I'm thinking about getting real estate, and lo and behold, it manifests in my life. I go to a Deseret Industries, which is a, a thrift store, like a Salvation Army. I go in there to buy clothes for our kids. That's how broke we were. And there was a $5 course for Carlton Sheets on the bookshelves. And was missing two cassettes, but I bought that thing for five bucks and it changed my life, man. That, I got into real estate three months later, bought my, did my first flip. And uh, I've never met Carlton Sheets, but if I, if I did, I'd give him a big sloppy wet kiss and tell him thank you because he changed my life, man. And, uh, and then from there, you know, we've just been rolling and growing and it kind of got old. It kind of got old. I, I lost my mojo, if you will. In 2008, I lost $750,000 in this game called real estate. And that, that may not be a lot to some of your listeners, but it hurt like the Dickens for me, man. And I was, I was contemplating just being done and uh, going and getting a job and doing something easier, <laughs> you know, where you just clock in and get paid. And I, uh, I don't know. I, I really felt like, hey, Tax liens and tax deeds are a good way to go. Sean, you know, you met, met me at a, at a Sean Higgins, Tony Martinez event. They're good, honest guys. And I, you know, I, I was given the opportunity to train for them. And that really kind of put wind under my wings. And then after some years of doing that, that started to lose its luster. And I knew I wasn't doing the right thing, you know. You, you get those feelings in life of, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And what I really feel five years ago, I just had this clear moment that came and said, you need to help underserved communities become homeowners. That same thing I felt when I was broke, when I was poor, man, we were broke of wanting to be a homeowner. I don't think, Adam, that that's strange. I think most Americans who rent right now would love to be homeowners if they could do it. They just don't know how. Well, I have all that knowledge. I know how to help people buy homes. I've been doing it for 20, 
for 30 years. Holy smokes. For 30 years, I've been doing this. And I just think, well, I got I to figure out how to help them. And uh, that became my mission. And I have stopped doing all deals over a quarter of a million dollars in size. Everything is, is $250,000 and less. I have focused my returns on a minimum of 16% net. And I wasn't getting that in my rents um, on your you know, net net on a rent. If I was getting 10 or 12%, it was great. Now I need 16 to 300%. But not only do I need 16 to 300%, it's got to help somebody. And so that, that sent me on a mission to figure out ways and methods to do it. And it's just been a lot of fun. I ended up writing a book about it. And, and there's people who, who want to learn how to make a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. I'm a conscious capitalist or a social entrepreneur. But there are a lot of people who say, hey, Jason, I, I've already been blessed. I've got some cash. But there's that aspect of my life that's not super exciting. And that's the, that's the social, spiritual, the connected human connection thing that is missing quite often in the world of, of business, in the world of, of traditional real estate. So that's it in a long, uh, you know, I meant that to be short, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So you, five years ago, you decided that really, if you're going to be doing this and doing all this work and bringing in all this money, it really ought to help underprivileged and and just help other people. And what I want to find out is uh, maybe two or three examples, if we have time sure. for three, but of, yeah. uh, of a property that you, um, you bought where the exit strategy specifically was, uh, had that thought process around how do I do good into the community with, with this property? So if you, sure. if you could just take it from there. I've, I've got, Lots and lots of them. So uh, uh, to, to limit it to two or three is, is a little bit difficult. Um, the first one that I'll, that I'll share with you actually happened to me back in 1990. I could not find anybody to sell me a house because I had no credit. The credit that I did have was horrible. I had three credit cards that were overdrawn and uh, late. And I would knock on people's doors that were selling homes by, you know, for sale by owners and ask them the Carlton Sheets question, can I buy your house for free? basically. Uh, lease option, zero money down lease option. That was his, his way. So can I rent your house for a period of time, not give you any money up front, but pay you within a time frame? a balloon is what he called it. And I, I eventually landed on this house of an old guy who worked for a Geneva steel, an old steel mill. And um, he had no, he looked like he had no money, man. I, I went to his house and it was like a just cinder block. It hadn't even been scratch coated with stucco. It was a gray cinder block house. I go in beside this house, this guy's house. And I said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wanted to talk to you about your house on, I think it was on 100 South or something like that in a place called Orm, Utah. And I asked him about it and he said, oh, yeah, what can I help you with? He said, well, you're, you're, how much you asking? He says 50,000. I said, I'll pay you 53. And his eyes got big. And I said, here's the thing. I can't give you any money today. I'm a starving college student. I frame houses full-time and go to school part-time. But if you will rent me the house for $500 a month, that's $50 less than I spend for my apartment right now. And I'll spend that extra 50 bucks a month fixing up the house for two years and I'll sell it in under two years and I'll pay you 53,000 when I sell it. Just rent me the house until then and let me buy it in two years. 
the old man looks at me, looked me dead in the eyes. He says, you're talking about a zero money down lease option, aren't you? And I, I mean, I, I was floored. I'm like, no, but somebody knows the Carlton sheets lingo. You know, I thought <laughs> Carlton was the only one who knew it. He went over to a file cabinet and he got me that lease and he already had them pre-printed and he just filled in the blanks, turned it around, had me sign it. And I bought a house in his living room <laughs> and it was done. I mean, it was crazy. I went home and told Mona, my, my wife, that, um, that we just bought a house and she and I went and checked it out together. This is the first time I ever bought a house without, or first time I ever bought a house and the first house I ever bought, I never went inside. I just bought it and I bought a lot of them since then that way. Well, this old man, uh, Mel Stewart was his name. He gave me a chance to become a homeowner and he did a real good deed for me by helping me get the deed to his property in a socially impactful way. He made more money selling me that house than he would have if he sold it to somebody else because he sold it $3,000 more than he was asking for. Somebody else would have come in and offered him 45, right? I offered him more than he was asking. So his return was better and his social benefit to society was better because he helped a punk kid who, you know, was in trouble financially become a homeowner. And I, and I made 7940 bucks on my first flip. And I got the check and I, I broke down in the parking lot and cried like a baby because I knew my prayers had been answered, man. I, that was a miracle to me. And it, it was a first tangible financial miracle of my life. And I am so sorry. And first tangible financial miracle of my life. And I, uh, I couldn't believe that that had happened. And I, I didn't know what to do, but I felt the weight of the world come on my shoulders and tell me, be smart with this money and go do it again. So I called the old man back up, Mel Stewart, and I said, hey, Mr. Stewart, thank you. He said, hey, great job on that house. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? I'm, yeah. I said, Mr. Stewart, um, I'm nervous with this money. If I spend it wrong, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, you wouldn't happen to have any other properties that I could maybe do a deal with you on. And he said, son, I've got over 20 houses for sale right now. Why don't you come over and jump my pickup? And we drove around and he showed me houses. <laughs> and I just parlayed that cash into another deal with him. And, on, and that's how I got started. So I forgot about Mr. Stewart for 25 years of investing, right? And then when maybe it's the hierarchy of needs, as Maslow says, you know, the last little bit we need is self-actualization. It's a way to leave a legacy. And that's when five years ago, I'm starting to feel like I got to do some, something good in my life and really make a difference. And Mr. Stewart came back. He's the one who changed my life. And I decided, you know what? Why don't I become Mr. Stewart? Why don't I use my properties and my skill to help people who don't know how to buy homes to, to buy homes? So that was deal number one. And it was my own deal. But let me share with you another one that just, it just happened here six months ago. This is a, a tax lien property, uh, bought it for $4,400 at, at a special type of auction. It's a foreclosable lien. So I bought it at the auction and began to foreclose on it the next day. Ended up owning the home all in for six grand. Never been inside. It's a little 3-1, um, ugly little little house, worst one on the block, which is exactly what I'm looking for, right? And if we were to fix it up and sell it, maybe 65 grand is all we could get out of it. 
That's maybe all we could get out of it. As is, probably 25, right? We're in at six, so I, I could wholesale it to a flipper and I could sell it to somebody who does not need my help. Because if, if, if you want to buy houses wholesale, there are a million wholesalers out there who've gone to some classes and understand how to tie up deals and, and schlep them. And the, it, you, you can get a deal from a wholesaler any day of the week in the Midwest and uh, you're off to the races, man. There's no real skill to it. You got to have money to do it. So I knew if I wholesaled this, I'd be selling it to somebody who would not need my help. And that doesn't fulfill my mission as a real good deed. I need to socially benefit somebody. So in my process of getting this home, Adam, I found that there was a renter in it who had been paying rent to a fictitious owner, and which is, which is also fairly common in certain economically disadvantaged areas. There are people who scam and uh, they act as landlord and somehow, somehow they get the utilities turned on and somehow they, they, they finagle their way into doing that. And then they lease it to somebody who pays them rent and they don't legally own the home. So he was paying $450 a month rent to this woman who didn't pay the taxes because she didn't own the home. And then the, the, the county took the property, sold it to me. So I sent my, my guy over there and um, knocked on the door and found out that he'd been paying rent and found out that he was very shocked that uh, this nice person who he'd been paying rent to wasn't the owner. And I, I just had my guy make him an offer. I, we simply offered him to buy the house for 20 grand. I've never been in this house. I sold it the, the day I got it. We owned it for six grand, sold it for 20 grand. We took a $2,000 down payment, which he had to borrow from his mother. The guy was on disability just out of prison about six months earlier. Um, fixed income so he can pay his rent. He can pay his, his, his mortgage payment. So we sold it to him for 20 grand. And the, it's a 10-year note at 10% interest. So we're 230% on the sale price. We, we are selling the price $5,000 less than we would sell it to a flipper for. And the guy who likes the house and was living in the house continues to live in the house. I have no property management duties. He's the owner. And his life has forever been changed, including his property tax insurance, which is paid to me. And I, I take care of his property tax payments and his insurance payments. Uh, his payment is $324 a month. Um, now the good news on this particular one and the why I went, the one, the reason I wanted to share this one with you is when he received his, his money for the stimulus, the $1,200, I got a phone call from him and he said, Mr. Porter, um, and he showed me a picture. He actually texted me the picture of his $1,200 check. And he said, can I pay my, my, he still calls it rent. I, I always tell him it's not rent. You own this house. That's your house payment. And uh, I, he said, can I pay four months in advance? <laughs> I said, sure. <laughs> so he sent that money over. He's paid all the way through September. Um, the guy is, has just been fantastic. And he's got a swing in his step because he's a homeowner. And, and, and I'll tell you what, Adam, if, you, if you're a renter your whole life, and then you, 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 you become a homeowner and you're developing equity, you just walk different. There's a different swagger. There is some really interesting tests that show that the children of owners versus renters test better. 
they feel more safe and secure. They feel more permanent. And when a child feels less threatened that their life could be upended through a, a home change, they they're more grounded and make you know make better decisions generally. And, um, and that was a fun one. So property number two, a 230% return plus 10% on the on the payments, and I'm helping somebody out who would otherwise not be a homeowner. Now I helped him set a goal, by the way. His name's Brandon. And I said, Brandon, why don't you do this? You're pretty handy. You're on disability, but you still have some physical mobility. Why don't you just fix the home up? Why don't you paint it? Why don't you do what you can do? Cheap little things because you're a hun- he's saving $130 a month, right? Over his rent versus his home payment, it's 130 bucks cheaper. So why don't you spend that on home improvement? And then when the market's nice and high, why don't you just sell that for 45 grand and then pay me 20 and put $25,000 in your pocket and go buy your kids a home that you can be a little more proud of. Boy, his eyes, you know, and that was a Zoom call. His eyes were just big and, oh my gosh, I never thought I could do it. Yeah, you sell it. You keep everything over what you owe me. And as Americans, unfortunately, in school, we're not taught to, to build wealth. We're taught to earn money. And wealth accumulation is asset accumulation. We're not taxed on assets. We're taxed on, on, on income. So the last thing I want to do is produce income. So Adam, if I go flip that house, let's, let's say I bought it for six grand and I fix it for, for 40. I'm in it 46. I sell it for 80 and I just made 30 grand. If I do that in less than, than 366 days, Uncle Sam takes 35% of my income tax. Boom, gone. My state, boom, well, I'm in Nevada. It doesn't tax me, but Utah used to. Boom, gone. And all of a sudden, I just gave almost half of my money away because of a short-term capital gain. My new system, I completely avoid short-term capital gain altogether. In fact, most of the investing I'm doing is inside an opportunity zone. And if I carry the financing for 10 years, I have no gain at all, completely washed of all taxes. You're welcome and I got an amen. I felt like that on that one right there. So, so we're stimulating these opportunity zones. Um, let me, before I move off of that, uh, and I know I talk too much, but um, here, before I move off of that, opportunity zone investing is, is, uh, is a hot topic right now. But a lot of people in the inner city, a lot of our economically disadvantaged brothers and sisters are not super happy about it. Because what investors are doing is they're taking in their capital gains and they're gentrifying. And they're building properties that the locals can't afford. And it pushes the locals out of the, the place that they love. What I'm doing is I'm f- helping them become owners. Sometimes we fix them up and carry the financing. Sometimes we fix them up and sell them um, to them and carry the note for a couple of years. And, and it, lots of different creative ways to do it. Um, sometimes we're, we, we'll fix them up. Sometimes we let them fix them up. But it keeps them in the neighborhood. And when, when they become owners... The, the interesting thing about Brandon's place is as soon as he became the owner, he hired a dump truck t- to haul away his trash that was in his front yard. And w- the only difference was it was now his yard. A week before, it was his landlord's yard, so he didn't care if his crap was on it. But as soon as it became his, he had that oldness of ownership, and it uh, um, it really... It really changed for him. You know, there's a lot, a lot of ways that that mindset, I would call a, a, a conscious capitalist mindset. I'm a very much a capitalist. I want to make money. But the mindset of how can this property benefit somebody who has less than me is an important thing. 
Before I tell you the last story, if we have time, um, let me tell you something that, that with this whole environment, and, and Adam, I don't want to go political. I, I won't go political, not you know, for your sake and for mine and for the country's, but um, we, can't, we can't talk about a real good deed in helping our underserved commun- communities if we don't address the, um, the people who have really been impacted uh, from Joy- George Floyd to whatever. Um, I was watching Oprah, and this uh, Oprah came on two weeks into the George Floyd protests, and there was some rioting and looting as well. But she came on into the into the, that time frame, and one of her clips, she had a little video clip of a very impassioned woman, visibly just shaking. She was so deeply feeling what she was saying. She she said people asked her why are they burning down their own neighborhood. And she said, it's not our neighborhood. We don't own anything. And she was bawling as she sobbing as she said it. And that hit my heart. And it really made me feel like, Jason Porter, you're on the right mission. You need to help people own things. And I need to make money. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I need to make money so that I can, so I can do more good. But I think if capitalists, and I know you're one, if we had a, a, a slant towards social good, not social, not social redistribution, not social justice, but just social good, just helping those that are in need. Um, I think we could all look at our real estate a little bit differently, right? We, we could look at things we could do that would make us money and, and help somebody else. So that's, uh, that's that. Do we have time for one more? Uh, the, the next one is going to go in after the final five, during the final five. So we're going to take a quick, quick, a quick break. What is a quick, a quick break? A, a, I've a never quick been break. on a quick break. It sounds cool. Let's do a quick I, break. I, I'm in for a quick break. A quick break. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. And I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. And we're back with the Jason Porter, the Thank social, the social, what, 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 what do we call it? The, um, oh, I'm a social butterfly. I'm good with that. Social butterfly. Okay. We'll call it a social butterfly. First, I don't, I can't even say quick. And now this, right? Okay, so we're, we're in with the final five. First question for you, Jason, what is the most creative real estate deal you've ever done? Uh, most creative real estate deal I've ever done is a surf resort in Samoa. Um, so we were able to negotiate a 99-year lease on tribal land at a river mouth in front of two perfect waves and we built um, 10 huts and a, a large fale or, or a large restaurant hut and invited surfers to come from around the world to surf with us in Samoa and uh, sold that deal. Uh, but it was creative in the way that we got it. I had to, I had to 
utilize chiefs to speak on my behalf. And I had to figure out which chief was higher than the chiefs in the village so that there was an element of respect and it gets into, you know, things that are hundreds of years old. And that was definitely my most creative and, and, and strange deal, an international deal where we, uh, we couldn't become the owners of the property, but we were able to put a resort on it and um, sold that resort when we ended up on the cover of Surfer Magazine in July 1997. So uh, sold it and, and been doing my single families ever since. So that was, that was a creative and fun one. Uh, well, I have a soft spot for Polynesians. I don't know if you've seen my only tattoos um, are, are from- No, but I'm willing to. They're all Polynesian. Well, don't worry. They're all in places where you're allowed to see. They're just up here. But um, it's all uh, Maori, Tonga, Samoa, and Hawaiian symbols that mean persistence and determination are uh, will will give you let you achieve anything. Omnipotence. Um, But uh, I still remember because I was in Los Angeles serving for a couple of years, uh, my church, and, and at the time, and I learned this one thing. I still remember that. I don't know why, but thank you so much for the delicious meal. And I'll tell you, I gained 52 pounds in Los Angeles because I had to say that saying three times a day, three times a day. Anyway, anyway, uh, so I love that. I've got a big soft spot for Polynesians and and Mona, your wife is incredible. So let's go to, um, let's go to question number two. What book do you recommend? Well, um, I'm going to plug mine. Um, <laughs> real, real good, real good deeds. It's available on Amazon. I was fortunate to be an Amazon best-selling author. Um, and if you like the Kindle version, you can just download it for free. I want everybody to download Real Good Deeds, uh, the book. But as far as things that that are you know timeless for me, it's it's really all mindset stuff. So um, I don't love management books. I don't love how-to books. I love stuff that makes me a better person. And what I find is if I put time into, you know, think and grow rich, greatest salesman in, in Babylon. And I mean, I could go on and on with the, the old timers, right? Uh, acres of diamonds. And if I spend time pouring in the right things into my brain, the outcome is what I want anyway. And there's always going to be another guru around the corner telling you the best way to do something that's been done a million times. Like, like Carlton Sheets telling me about no money down lease options. I thought he invented it, right? He didn't invent it. It's probably been going on since we were trading caves. Okay, good deal. There's your cave. You know, Uh, it's been going on a long time. Nothing's really new. It's just repackaged. And but if we spend time on our mind, then that is um, that is really the best stuff. Let me tell you here. I'm I'm a addict of Audible. And I'll just read you the titles that I'm reading simultaneously right now on the mindset. Um, Okay. So let's see. Miracle Morning, Think and Grow Rich, Atomic Habits, Profitable Podcasting. That one's not about mindset. I just need to figure out how to be better at it. Or I need to hire you. You do a good job of that. Um, Psychology of Selling from Brian Brian Tracy, Um, Morning Routine, the magic of thinking big. So those are just the ones that I'm reading right now. Um, those pour into your mind. You never regret it, man. I 
couldn't agree more. Uh, and thank you for going into that. Uh, my next question is, uh, where do you see the real estate? Where do you see the economy five years from today? <sighs> I made a prediction um, three and a half years ago that come October this year, we would see a large dip going into the presidential election. We usually do because the markets are uncertain. Um, we have a very polarized nation right now. I would not be surprised if we see a significant, a significant dip uh, in the housing market um, over the next six, maybe 12 months. Um, it'll be, at least be a slowdown. And I think that bodes really, really well for rentals. Rentals right now, um, you've got the baby boomers who are selling their homes because they're worth so much money and that becomes their retirement cash and they're renting and there's just not enough homes for them. And then you've got the, the millennials that are also renting because they don't see yet the value of home ownership or don't understand how to do it. So this is a really good time when the market is going to be saturated by people selling the baby boomers by economic uncertainty election. Um, and by the unknown millenniums that just don't understand how to buy, um, I think we're going to see a nice dip. It'll be a good dip for those of us who like to buy. Uh, I don't think it'll be a crash in any way, but it is the time to go into a hold pattern if, you, uh, if you're in, in real estate. This is why it's time for me, those in my business of, of you know, real good deeds, to carry the note, to let that last a while or to go to rent for a while, go to rent for a while. That's my prediction for the next five. And uh, usually the fourth question is how you give back. We, this whole episode has been how you give back. What I want to do for the final question is how the listener can find you and get a hold of you. But don't do what my other uh, guests generally do. And that means that they give me 10 different ways. I've, I've learned that there's some psychology. And this is for the listener, not for Jace. Jason knows this already. Uh, there is some psychology that says, if you give somebody like 10 different ways, they're not going to do any of them. And so if when the next time you are on a podcast, instead of giving all of your social handles, all of your emails, all of your different websites, just pick one. Give people one way that they can find you and get a hold of you. And when you do that, they don't have to choose anymore. And they just click. So. Jason, with that yes. said, what is the single best way for the listener to find you and get a hold of you? Honestly, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm old and LinkedIn works for me. I'm also Perfect. on Facebook, those types of things. But I think LinkedIn, because this is professional, it, it, we, it's an easy way to find me. I'm Jason Porter. I live in Las Vegas. And it's uh, if you look up Jason Porter and Real Good Deeds, you'll find me. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I do want to tout one charity. Please, that, uh, let's do it. That, that, uh, because it is the Five Star Legacy Foundation. FiveStarLegacyFoundation.org. Uh, I donate a lot of time to them. And it is a charity that 100% of all contributions go directly to children to benefit them in, uh, in their education. So to their schooling, to their, there's no administration. So it's not my charity, in case you're wondering. It's a dear friend of mine named Mark Comer. And uh, he has a, a, a wonderful charity that does a lot of good. So check that one out. I know you have your book, Real Good Deeds. The link to that will be in the show notes and, uh, and we'll put it also in the Facebook comments. You also have your uh, LinkedIn. 
so that we don't have to go and find you and search for uh, Vegas and anything else. Make sure that we're getting the right Jason Porter. The link to that is in the show notes right now and the link to the charity. So long as you give it to me, Jason, we'll throw that in the show notes yep. as well to make it easy for the listener. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to let you go, my friend. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's always good to, to talk cough. to you. No problem. <clears throat> Went running yesterday. Uh, and wow, I'm still feeling it. I'll let you go, but until next time. Well, that's what happens when you run at the altitudes that you're at. It, uh, it, it, it hurts. <laughs> right. And there's, there's fires going on right now. Fires and oh, I was... Yeah. Uh, a lot of dust, but I'll let you go. Until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box.